This is part two of the Teisho we gave uh, a couple weeks ago. So I'll read the case again, the introduction case and the verse to connect them. I'll show you a little Dongshan present offering before the image. Introduction. It cannot be depicted. It cannot be drawn. Pua turned the flip. Longia just showed half his body. Ultimately, who is in what state? The case. As Dongshan was presenting offering before the image of Yunyan, he retold the story from before about depicting reality. The monk came forward and said, when Yunyan said, just this is it, what did he mean? Dongchan said, at that time, I nearly misunderstood my late teacher's meaning. The monk said, did Yunyan himself know it is or not? Dongchan said, if he did not know it is, how could he be able to say this? If he did know it is, how could he be willing to say this? The verse. How could he be willing to say this? In the third watch, cock crows, dawn in the forest of homes. How could he be able to say this? The thousand-year crane grows old with the pine in the clouds. The jewel mirror, clear and bright, shows absolute and relative. The jade machine revolves. See them both show up at once. The way of the school is greatly influential. Its regulated steps, continuous and fine. Father and son change and pass through. Oceanic is their fame. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that koan Talk a little bit about raising the question of what, what it is that we are. What is it that is that's passed on or has been passed on from generation to generation since the time of the Buddha? What is it that we are showing gratitude? And showing gratitude through our practice, through chanting the lineage, through chanting everything else, through bowing, through upholding the practice? Is it about what others have done before us, or is it about us realizing personally, today, what others have realized, many others have realized before us? There's a lot in this koan to look at, and there's a lot that is very intimately connected to our everyday lives. Not as a study that's separated from that. So there's a story that I, I quoted last time too, but I'll begin this talk with that as well. The story that is similar to 
the one told in this koan. And it's raising the importance of studying with the teacher or learning how to study with the teacher without abdicating their responsibility for our practice. And for waiting. Well, as Dongshan was conducting a memorial service for Yunyang, the monk asked, What kind of teachings did you receive when you were studying under Yunyang? Dongshan said, Although I was there for a while, I did not receive any teachings. And the monk said, Then why conduct services for him? And Dongshan said, I do not esteem my late teacher's virtue of Buddhist teaching. I only value the fact that he did not explain anything. The monk then said, so do you agree with your lay teacher or not? And Dong Chan said, well, I half agree, half disagree. And the monk said, why don't you completely agree? Dong Chan said, if I completely agree, then I would be unfaithful to my teacher. Not to my teacher, actually, to the practice. completely agree, to follow blindly, to not inquire, to not experience on my own, to live vicariously through somebody else's understanding, realization, experiences. We about study that is very important is to learn how to to learn how to learn to study how to study to know how to practice. It's not cumulative as we may first perceive it to be, or as we see other endeavors in life. You know, we when we do other things or we study things, there is this little by little gaining knowledge, gaining something we do not have, and then learning to apply it. And in Zen, it's more a process of shedding an old belief that we need to be saved, that we need to shed. And all belief that there are obstacles separating ourselves from ourselves, from who we are. And all belief that there is a savior out there who may be giving us the key to, to freedom. If you ever meet somebody who says that, walk away as fast as possible. If somebody ever tells you, I have it and I will give it to you. Turn away. You know, Chan said, although he studied with Yunyan, he never received any teachings. And this is how we need to study. Right? To stay open to guidance, yet to trust in the responsibility to do the work or to be diligent. He's on us. You know, for example, the anger we are still in for another week. And we maintain the structure, right? There is a container. 
specific guided container of how to be, how to behave, what to do, what not to do. So there are details. And there is support and encouragement from your teacher, from the Sangha. But ultimately, you can do whatever you want with the commitments you took when you entered this summer. Right? And you do whatever you want with those commitments. Nobody follows you moment by moment, step by step, to see what you do, to see if you are actually upholding the commitments you took on. So there is structure and there is guidance and there is resistance. And all these elements somehow have to work together, merge together to a continuous path that is conducive to realization, conducive to creating an opening. What it is that we are looking for, right? What do we want from a teacher, from the practice, from the teachings? No, don't just say, I do not esteem my lay, teach my lay teacher's virtues of Buddhist teachings. I don't really care much about the fact that he knew a lot about Buddhism. We're not studying with scholars. We're not trying to investigate in that way as a scholar. Although it's good and we can. There are benefits to studying that too, or like that too. But that's not what he's talking about. That's not what's been passed on from generation to generation. It's not in the memorizing or intellectually understanding. He says, I only value the fact that he did not explain anything from you. In other words, he appreciated the fact that Yunyan did not spoon-fed him. He did not make it easy for him. If anything, he probably made it difficult. Challenging by not giving him anything. Or maybe by not giving him what he expected, what we expect to be given by the practice. We ask many questions. And we should. It's fine. But where will what do we think we're going to encounter the answers? If not within, where? And that's how we think. And we have to, to practice correctly or to practice the way that it has been practiced. We have to let go of thinking that it is somewhere else. We get confused, and that's natural. We all confused often and get discouraged. But then, again, where do we look? I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. Okay. Look. 
take the responsibility to investigate all the time. You remember, we're, we are studying the Genju Koan, and you remember the story of Dogen traveling from Japan to, to China three months on a boat and continuously exploring the dogma, looking at the ocean with an investigative mind, an investigative eye. He wrote about it. Not just about, well, you know, that was a fun ride or a terrible ride or whatever. No. He took every moment of his boat ride and explored the dogma. His life was the Dharma. His life was devoted to exploring. Well, maybe we think, well, he had no family, he had no other responsibilities. He could have done that. I can't do that. But we don't have to be on an ocean looking at the water or the shore to explore the Dharma. We could be sitting at the office, looking at a pile of papers, talking to somebody, looking at all our life's responsibilities, and study the Dharma, investigate. Because that's where it's at. Or that's where it could be found. So Union did not give him anything to swap. He did not tell him, here, take this, get rid of that. He told him, sit down and explore. Look. Verify. And then all Union was able to do is mirror the fundamental without distorting the original image, without adding anything to it. And it cannot eat it. In IT can only be seen through our own efforts, can only be experienced by ourselves. I listened to an interview with this uh, American doctor who wrote a memoir about his work. He went to Botswana to treat uh, AIDS patients a while ago. And he said, uh, he said, I thought when I first went to do that, I thought I was going to go there to save people. And he said, but after working there with AIDS patients for a while, I realized that I can only save myself. But then he said something interesting. He said, as a doctor, all I can do is extend people's lives so they have more time to save themselves. Very well put. They have more time to save themselves. I can only give you a little bit more time so you can do the work you need to. And it's what we do for the Sundays. Right? It's what teacher does. Keeps everybody on track to make sure people don't veer off. Come back. Here. Here is the path. Right there. Keep going. Don't get distracted. Keep working on it. It's all the teacher can do. It's what the Sunday is about. What? So when we are looking, we are going to see. If we are looking. 
Ramana Shakyamuni Buddha is also considered the great physician, right? Because he reflects the truth that resides in each of us. And the Sangha actually provides the ideal circumstances, ideal conditions to do the work. So we can read one another. And then he says, I only agree, I only half agree with you, Nian, right? I only half agree. Why is he saying, if I completely agree, then I will be unfaithful to my teacher? We would follow the way Union lived the Dharma or the way Union realized, then that would be abdicating responsibility. And beyond that, that would be trying to emulate somebody else's understanding, somebody else's realization. You know, when we look at a teacher, we have to know what to look for, how to look. teacher reflects something that's in us. That's all. Reflects something that's in us. So it's not looking at the teacher. It's looking at us. And it's not even looking at the teaching. It's looking at what the teachings are pointing at. And trusting that, yeah, I may not feel it, but it is in me. I am it. Yunyan did his practice through his own uniqueness. He walked on his own two feet, sat on his own butt, and realized on his own. And that he shared with Dongchan and, and the other monks who were there. I realized, so could you. As I say, even Shakyamuni Buddha is only halfway there. Halfway. The other half, on you. It says in the commentary, it's con that if a successor does not go beyond the teacher, the lineage will decline. So the student's responsibility is actually to surpass the teacher. But not to surpass in terms of knowledge or accumulation. To surpass in terms of you do it on your own. To go further. And further can only be done by ourselves. And it keeps going too, you know, even after becoming successful, obviously it never stops. And I personally I would never want to get to a point that I would feel God. I understand. Right? On one level, there is what we call completion of study, but on another level, the completion of study does not conclude 
continuous practice, continuous deepening, further deepening. Well, it's the same as if we practice Aikido, it's the same with Aikido. There is no point of which we can see or we can say that we have arrived, that we were good, that we got it. What I see through my Aikido teacher too is over half a century of Aikido training. Every time I see him, just a seminar last week, every time I see him, I see how he explores and changes and deepens his own practice and the teachings too. And it never ends. You know, in relation to the seminar, sometimes people say, well, the seminar coming up, but yeah, I saw him before. And people actually say it quite often, I saw this teacher before. So what? So about many times. But what does that have to do with, I ate yesterday too, what does that have to do with today? I ate breakfast yesterday, so I'm good. It's the same. So what? Clean your bowl, do again, eat again. Get on the mat, sit down. Practice. Get on the mat, move around. Practice. Go further, go deeper. We have to have the mindset or the understanding that this never ends, will never end. And it's not something that is discouraging, actually it's the other around. It opens us up to continuous expansion. So we met a couple of weeks ago training with someone that I had a good connection with and I was, I was doing this technique that I've done many, many times before. But then something did not feel right. It just did not feel right. There was some stagnation. So then I kept at it, looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, changing, trying to figure out what's going on here. And then something opened up. I learned something incredible. It's amazing to see that you can always deep. It's the same with coins. You know, the more you study them, the, the deeper you go. Every time I do a talk, and I mentioned before, I study the coin again, as if I haven't done it before. I open up all the related readings I have, all the commentaries, look at it, put it down, sit with it for a while, walk with it for a while, study it. Really study it. Of course, in the beginning, it seems like Foreign language. And my daughter, she, she looked at some coins. She does once in a while. She said, this looked like somebody put the old Chinese in Google Translator. <laughs> and that's what came out. It uh, looks like a lost in translation or gibberish. But yes, it does seem like that. But so what? Right? We're here to study, we're here to deepen, we're here to understand how to practice, how to study. So with koans, I would encourage all of you to take it on, to really take it on. 
whether you get it or not, you know, you come in Dokusan and you get the answer, it's not, it's not that important. What's important is that you don't stop trying. You don't stop trying. You don't stop wanting to deep. No matter what. Don't take it personal. And again, it's not about the reading more and more and more. That's not going to get you anywhere. That's not about the accumulation. And the other thing is the ripeness. You know, sometimes we read things and they just don't make sense. And it's okay. They don't have to make sense. Put it down. Practice. Go back. Read again. Maybe something's going to open up. Put it down. Practice. Go back. Read again. The only way to understand is to actually have what you read verify something within that is awakening. So the understanding is within, not in the book or in the head. And if something in me is not responding yet, it actually means it's not the time yet. Not that I give up, but it's not the time for that particular phrase or teachings or koan. It's not the time. Keep at it. When the time comes, it's going to open up. You need to be patient with that too. This story, this story that is told, that picked up in this koan, it was told during memorial service. It's taken from the time he was about to leave the monastery. There's a story that is related to that. He was about to leave the monastery, so that what he told in this memorial service was taken from the time he was he got successorship, and he said goodbye to his teacher Luna. So the full version, after succeeding, after being with him for about 20 years, it says, as Dongshan prepared to leave Yunyan, Yunyan said, where are you going? Dongshan said, although I'm leaving the master, I don't know where I'll end up. Yunyan said, you're not going to Hunan. Dongshan said, no, I'm not. Yunyan said, are you returning home? Dongshan said, no. Yunyan said, sooner or later, you'll return. And Dongshan said, when the master has no abode, then I will return. Yunyan said, if you leave, it will be difficult to see one another again. And this dialogue is to, for two reasons. First of all, to, to test, to see where he's at. And also to give him some stuff to work with, some encouragement. So sooner or later you'll return. And Dong Chan said, when the master has no an abode, then I will return. Yunyan said, if you leave, it will be difficult to see one another. Again, Dong Chan said, it will be difficult to not see one another. So just when Dong Chan was about to depart, he said, if in the future someone happens to ask whether I can describe the master's truth or not, how should I answer? So after a long pause, Yunyan said, just this is it. And this is where, this is the point that was taken up and used in this call. Just this is it. Dongshan sighed. Then Yunyan said, worthy Liang, Liang was his family name, now that you have taken on this great affair, the successorship, 
you must consider it carefully. Dong Chan left, but continued to experience that. Later, as he crossed a stream, he saw a reflection of himself in the water, and at that moment was awakened to Union's meaning. He then composed this very famous verse. Avoid seeking it elsewhere, for that's far from the self. Now I travel alone, everywhere I meet it. Now it's exactly me, now I am not it. It must thus be understood to merge with thusness. So after, even after becoming a successor, he still felt that he wants to deepen. He still felt that he's not completely, he has not completely embodied the teachings. And that, that doubt made the breakthrough possible. Right? He did not walk around being happy for the successorship, being happy for what he has got, being happy for the title. <clears throat> and in a way, that, that's probably the most important thing that is passed on from a teacher to a student. Never stop deepening. Never, ever get to a point that you think you got something. The point of successorship is actually about trusting that the student will know how to continue practice on their own. Which is not how we think of, about this, right? We think about stages, steps. I'm here now, I'm going to be there, and when I get there, I will get the certificate, and then I'll be done and move on to something else. Quite the opposite. You get nowhere else. And you get nothing. So the monk in this koan is focusing on that just this is it, right? So he says, when Yunyan said just this is it, what did he mean? And Dong Chan said, at that time, I nearly misunderstood my late teacher. I nearly misunderstood my late teacher. Right? So on one level, Dongchen was still in a state of not fully experiencing the Dao. Or body and mind have not fully been shed off. Which of course led to the experience by the river. And then the subsequent verse. But on another level, on another level, do we ever fully understand? Does it ever become graspable? Monk then asked, did Yunyan himself know it is or not? And Dong Chan said, if he did not know it is, how could he be able to say this? If he did know it is, how could he be willing to say this? Now, just this is it, right? There's another way to call it thusness, suchness, things as they are, reality as it is. Just this. 
And this, these two lines, right, the two lines of Dongshan's verse express exactly his answer to, to the monk. Right? Those two lines. Now it's exactly me, now I am not it. It must be thus understood to merge with thusness. Right? If Yunyan did not go through experiencing the great death, and if he did not experience, realize it personally, how could he speak from there? He had to go through the experience on a personal level. He had to feel it. He had to feel the, the agony of not understanding, of not knowing, and then the opening of realization. But to realize that all these questions are actually not substantiated. So he realized it personally. Right? How would he know that justice is it if he did not experience itness, thusness, suchness, reality? And then, if he did not come to life after the great death, he would have remained stuck there and would not be able to say anything. So he deeply realized then completely let go of any trace of realization. And then was able to say, just this is it, from the depth of his personal experience. Or in other words, he expressed that just this is it through his life. So it, it is his life that said it, not his mouth. huge difference between saying it and living it. Uh, these days there's a lot of talk about the mindfulness of being in the moment. Right? It also created a huge industry. It's raising a lot of revenue. But in a way what it is, it's trying to package and sell just this is it. Come study with us two years, you get a certificate. I sell you just this is it. Then you can sell others. It's good. Sounds good. But can we really do that? Can we package it? Can we sell it? Can we put a monetary value by timeline? And when we do, who are we fooling? When we believe that it's possible, who are we fooling? How do you sell to somebody what he or she is endowed with? Big difference with saying the words and actually going through the process of personally realizing wisdom and then personally actualizing it through our lives. And the introduction ends with a, raising a very important question about the process of practice. And in a way, it's, it's asking a question that is both pointing to how we think about practice, but also showing something about the way practice is. It's asking ultimately, who is in what state? 
ultimately, we're all on the path. On the path of realization. Where am I at? How, how far have I gone? How much have I accumulated? How much further do I have to go? That's how we think. Or that's how we want it to be. And it's the reason. Formal Zen practice actually does offer a structured path. Like a deepening understanding, and it's systematic, and there is an incremental way of doing that. Which seems as if we are climbing up and we are on one rung of the ladder, and then going up to the next one, the next one. Right? We go through different collections of koans. Beginning with simple, relatively simple koans, and then going into more and more refined collections of koans. Right? It seems as if we are moving from not knowing to knowing. We also have different colors of rakasu, right? We have the black one, then we have purple, the green, gold. Then each one has its own set of requirements. So in a way, it, 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 it can match our expectations or the way we think about practice, right? But we have to get beyond the way we think about practice. And practice, while we are going through step by step, or steps, realizing that there are no steps, which is a challenge. Because on one level, it, it, it can feed the mind that differentiates, but on another, it keeps pointing to no differentiation. But we get caught up in differentiation because it matches the way we think about ourselves. It matches a, a poverty mind, a mind that says, I am not enough yet. I do not have enough. And I will have more and more the more I accumulate. Same with Aikido, with ranks. It's meaningless. It really is meaningless. But yet we get so or some people get so hungry for ranks as if it means something. And then they get the rank and they realize it doesn't do it. Doesn't do anything. Ultimately, who knows where they are? So there is progress, but the progress is not going anywhere else other than this. And that's what we have to, in a way, reconcile. Progressless progress. Progressing yet not going anywhere else. You know, different Zen masters actually broke down the stages into different uh, categories. Linji did that, you know, in its four stages, and Dongxian described that as five stages, or Dongxian's five ranks. So I want to just take a few minutes and talk about that. The first one is the relative within the absolute, or the light within the dark. 
And he, and he depicted every stage with a, with a verse. It says, in the third watch of the night, before the moon appears, no wonder when we meet, there is no recognition. Still cherished in my heart is the beauty of earlier days. And this is actually, uh, this could be related to the first line of Dongxian's verse. Now I travel alone. So at the third stage, back in those days in China, the, the night was divided to five segments of two hours each. And the, the third watch was the middle segment from midnight until 2, 2 a.m. Midnight also is the time of change between days. So to signify that while everything is constantly changing, each moment is timeless. And it includes the before and after. So the time of seeing something, right? Realizing. Yet, there is something in us that still looks back. That's still not completely letting go realizing something, right? So that's why it's called the relative within the absolute. Then no wonder when we meet, there is no recognition. When we encounter the absolute, we don't have a definition from it, for it. So we can't box it, we can't label it, we don't know what it is. We do understand or we do experience something and we understand that there is an experience. But we don't know what it means. We don't know where to put it. It could be incredible, but incredibly threatening as well. Or frightening. So we don't recognize it in a conventional way. Yet there is something in us that does recognize it. So in a way it's like staring into total darkness. You can't see anything. No outlines can be seen. And the line says, still cherished in my heart is the beauty of earlier days. Right? We still hold on to old memories, images, linger in the background. Maybe about the days prior to the experience, maybe about what we imagined it would be to experience realization. You know, as in, remember that seeing the face is not as good as hearing the name. We may, we may have other ideas about what it should look like or feel like. And then the second, it says that's the absolute within the relative or the, the dark within light, which also can be uh, connected to everywhere I meet it. The second line of Dongshan's verse. The dawn has come to the surprise of an old woman as she ch chances upon an antique mirror in which she sees clearly and distinctly her own face, so different from all the images she had formed of herself. Different than what we thought it would be. Different than what we think we are different than what the story is telling us about ourselves, or maybe what others have told us about ourselves. And from now on, she will no longer ignore her own head and grasp at its mere shadows. John Wu 
describes this stage as a centripetal movement towards the center. And at this point, one realizes the vastness of reality from within the midst of the relative and moves towards the core or the true self. Hakuin says that at this point, one is neither conversant with the deportment of the Bodhisattva, nor does he understand the causal conditions for Buddha land. Although he has a clear understanding of the universal and true wisdom, he cannot cause to shine forth the marvelous wisdom that comprehends the unobstructed. In other words, not exactly knowing how to live it. Do the person does have some sense of realization and goes through an experience of it, but does not know how to embody it. Understanding yet having difficulty expressing it. And the old woman used here the different uh, explanations to that, but the one I would prefer to, to stick with with this is that it has nothing to do with age, it's nothing to do with gender, right? We think, well, you know, it's my stage, my old age, maybe I have no chance of realizing. It's beyond age, it's beyond definitions is beyond gender, beyond labels. The third one, coming from the absolute, from within the absolute. Only darkness. Now it's exactly me as in the verse. In a cloud of dust, he follows a secret road beyond the reach of dust. He excels in keeping unsaid things tabooed at present. Yet he says more than the most eloquent tongues of the past. To say more than the most eloquent tongues of the past, to surpass, to go beyond. And that's to be in the world but not of this world. In a cloud of dust, within the challenges, within everyday difficulties. She follows a secret road beyond the reach of dust. Within the dust, not separate. So it's a stage of rebirth after deep realization. Right? It cannot be depicted, it cannot be drawn, but it can be expressed. Actually, it can only be expressed, not explained, not told by another, only expressed through the one who has lived. There's a story with that, one of the commentaries. But Zhaoju, once <clears throat> Zhaoju was sweeping the ground of his monastery, a visitor came by and asked, how could a single speck of dust invade this holy ground? And Jiaoju looked at him and said, here comes another. That's how. Right? That's how we separate. The dust is holy. 
when it says they're keeping things taboo, they're present. Rajyaji was not talking about his realization. He was living it and expressing it, not explaining it. Expressing it. Freely. That's why he was such a great Zen master. All his words expressed it beautifully. Now, that could also be a trap at that stage. So one must keep going. Or Dongchan or Zdogek would say, buy new sandals, put them on, keep walking. And the fourth one, arrival at mutual integration. In the line of, of uh, Dongchan's verse, now I, now I am not it. I am not when the two, so that the verse says, when two blades cross points, there is no need to withdraw. The master swordsman is like a lotus blooming in the fire. Such a man has in and of himself a heaven soaring spirit. When two blades cross points, there's no need to withdraw. There's no need to choose. Form and formlessness. <clears throat> Two arrows meeting in midair, box and in the knee, meet, perfect, fit, perfect. There's no need to choose. Because this is that and that is it. Because I am it and it is not myself. There's no need to jump between practice and not practice. In other words, the rakasu never comes off. Unity of the relative and the absolute. No need to differentiate, no need to categorize. And the fifth one, unity attained. And that's the last line from Dongshan's verse. It must be thus understood to merge with thusness. And the verse says, Lo, he has arrived at supreme unity beyond the is and the is not. Who dares to follow the rhymes of his poetry? Let others aspire to the extraordinary. He is happily returning home to sit amidst ashes. To sit in the middle of the pile of the chaos. In the middle, on top of it all. That's where it's happening. That's where the most important aspect of our lives are. There. So, it goes full circle. It goes full circle. At the end, it comes right back to where we are. It comes right back to what we complain about. What we think is an obstacle or obstacles in our lives. It is what we call the obstacle. That's unity attained. It's nowhere else. And that's where that's where it matters most. The last two lines of the verse of this Quran say, 
the way of art of the school is greatly influential. It is its steps regulated and continuous. Father and son change and pass through. Oceanic is their thing. Now, father and son is referring to union and Dongshan. change and pass through. Oceanic is their fame. It's white, it's vast, it's endless. It's all-encompassing. There is nothing that's not it. So the, the point, and to, to finish with that, the point about stages, we have to I think often we get discouraged because we think we're not where we need to be or we think we need to know better, be deeper with the practice. And, and the point is that there is no way to know. I don't know where I'm at. Which is actually a good thing because not knowing where I'm at on the path keeps it open and it gives me the, the the opportunities to go further, to keep exploring, to keep deepening, to keep studying, to keep learning how to be of benefit to the world. How could that end? What is the end of, I'm already of benefit to the world? There is no such thing. It goes full circle because it comes back to this and comes back to asking that question. How can I fit reality in the most appropriate way right now? How can I lose myself to this so I don't get in the way, so I can listen and look and pay attention and know exactly how to act? What more do we need? What more do we want? So there is progress. People often ask, how do I know if I'm progressing? Keep practicing. Keep looking. Open up. Progressing to what? Where do you want to go? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with this? That's enough. Thank you. Thank you.